0: Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you very much for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. Earlier this year I did interviews with a couple of filmmakers whom I've known for a long time and whose recent film had just uh, been limited, released uh, in theaters as well as released on video on demand. and. Another filmmaker whom I've known for a long time has a film of theirs that is coming on video on demand this coming Tuesday, September 13th. The movie is Dark Exorcism, although when I reviewed it, it was going by the name In the Dark. And it was my pleasure to talk to the writer-director of the film uh, for a few minutes about where he uh, got inspiration as a filmmaker as well as how he approached um, dark exorcism, coming from a uh, storytelling place that was very much not in the typical uh, horror tradition. So please enjoy my interview with writer-director David Spaltro Over the years, I've had many filmmakers ask me to uh, take a look at their films and review them for Sonic Cinema. Uh, one such filmmaker is uh, David Spoutrow out of New York City. Uh, the films I've reviewed of his over the years are around Things I Don't Understand and his latest, which is called Dark Exorcism, although when I reviewed it, it was going by the title In the Dark. Dark Exorcism is current is about to be released on video on demand on Tuesday, September 13th, and I'm very proud pleased to have uh, the writer and director of the film with me today. Uh, please welcome uh, David Spoutra. Hey, man.
1: Really nice to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, it's great to uh, great to hear your voice. It's been a while. I, we've actually known each other for a long time. I think I first got your uh, email about wanting to... Re- Winding around reviewed in uh, two thousand eight, so uh, yeah, it's good to yeah. Finally...
1: You were one of the first reviews I think we ever got.
0: Yeah, so it's good to finally have a uh, voice to go with the uh, with with the uh, email. So one of the first things. Yeah, the history. <laughs> so one of the first things I wanted to ask you, uh, and standard uh, question, but I figured, but it's always a good one to uh, start with. Uh, when it comes to crave people and uh, actors, filmmakers, what have you. Uh, what was it that led you to acting and filmmaking?
1: Um, I think it's, I've always been interested in storytelling. Um, it, when I was a little kid, I wanted to get into comic books and illustration. Um, so I always had like an interest um, in, in spinning stories, and I did writing. And uh, I think I gravitated towards filmmaking because... Um, I, I really like the collaboration, like as a director, as a filmmaker, you get to work not just, you know, you're not just sitting with a piece of paper or some pencils, you get to work with everybody, you get to work with the actors, you get to work with the DP and the, the all the different crew members. And so for me, you know, I, I like I'm a very social people person. So being able to work with all these different talented artists on the same project and everybody brings what they bring and you kind of navigate it. Um It's always been really appealing to me. So it was kind of the perfect fit for me.
0: What type of uh, comic books and uh, stories really uh, interest you? Interested you when you were uh, younger, or even now?
1: <laughs> I mean, all yeah. I mean, all kinds. I went through different phases. I mean, I, I started out. My um, father would bring me home, like you know, Batman and um, Marvel. Um, so I definitely had the superhero background and all the different, you know. And I moved on to things like Frank Miller's Daredevil Run and Alan Moore and. And eventually got into like more independent stuff like Daniel Close and all the different fanographic stuff, Peter Bagg. Um, So, I mean, the idea of um, visual storytelling with comics, not just superhero epic kind of stuff, but the idea that like you had the words, but like the the mixture of that with the images kind of always appealed to me. Like, I mean, you know, they're they're in a a very big way storyboards. Um, So, I think that kind of always was, you know, leading me to what I eventually do now. In that in that respect, as a storyteller.
0: When did you uh, first start acting and uh, directing?
1: Um, in high school, I, I think I guess the final the final thing that probably led me to it is um, I got involved with the drama club um, and I started out uh, the drama teacher. I, w- I was always getting into like trouble, but they can only give me so many detentions. So they figured I had a lot <laughs> of uh, extra creative energy to, to, to utilize. So to channel it, they sort of sent me to drama class, and uh, she was, first started me out. Um, the teacher uh just sort of they didn't have a lot of money to um make copies of scripts so she'd have me like find a script at the library and like just kind of like type it up for whatever play they were going to put on like word for word and then she'd get like you know we only have x amount of girls and guys so this part has to be this or you have to combine these two characters so do that so she started giving me more and more allowance so i was copying all these scripts kind of typing it up fast and then uh then getting to creatively play with it and, and seeing how something is kind of produced from the ground up. And then by the end of uh, my time in high school, she sort of was like, you know, you should just write something for us. And I did. And we got to put it up. So it was kind of like this weird, um, I guess, a moment where you're like, oh, okay. And, and all the pieces start to fit where you're like, oh, I want to do this. I, I, I enjoy this and I seem to have a knack for it. So it was kind of a really cool training ground slash, uh, you know, lightning rod moment.
0: Were there any particular uh, playwrights? And uh, who are the filmmakers that have inspired you most over the years? Um,
1: I don't know. I wouldn't say that any playwrights. I mean, I, I read all kinds of plays. I was a really big fan of, like, Christopher Durang and, you know. I, just a variety. I mean, I love... What I loved about plays was, um, especially being an independent filmmaker, was that it was very minimalist. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was very character-driven and dialogue-driven. Um, so, like, I definitely responded to that. So, like, if nothing else, you put two people at some juncture in their life, going through some drama in a small room and just have them like go at it for 20 minutes. If nothing else, you can kind of do that. So I think I, think I always like that. Um, and it can be just as powerful as, as anything cinematic. Um, but as filmmakers, I mean, I, I again, the same thing with you know, you, you go in with, growing up, I, I saw films with my father a lot. I worked in a video store and, and I was exposed at different points in my life to all kinds of things. And I was very fortunate. Uh, I went to the School of Visual Arts in New York for film school. Um, one of my professors, who's a history professor, Gene Davis, he's a big film historian. He crazy, or had in past, a crazy library of film prints. And for film history, you know, he would bring in, we would watch all these old films, his actual prints on film. So you're seeing like Murnau's Sunrise on an old scratchy film print, or you're watching Taxi Driver in 35mm from that time, you know, and it, 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 or foreign film or a or, you know, and it, there was just something about that that like, as i'm older now and looking back really able to appreciate that but it, that definitely had an effect on me on, you know what images can do um in terms of storytelling so I, I was exposed to a lot of different people
0: are there any particular ones that really stuck out
1: um you know uh, i think in terms of what i really like my, my probably my three top directors or four top directors always uh, you know, switch around but um I, what I like, I liked Billy Wilder and Danny Boyle because, I mean, what I really appreciate about their filmmaking and all their films is that they're almost kind of genre-less, but you can tell it's their film. Like yeah. Billy Wilder can go make *Double Indemnity*, *Sunset Boulevard*, and then uh, *The Apartment*, which is like my favorite film, uh, and, and and they're all so clearly, you know, you wrote right, so clearly his movie, but nowhere near are they the same film. And the same thing, like Danny Boyle, you know, he can go from *Train Spotting* to. Plum Dog Millionaire to Sunshine to, you know, um, to, to Steve Jobs, the one he just did. And you, there's an inherent visual, you know, in the way he uses music and lights and uh, it's him, but it's, it, they're just, and I, for me as a filmmaker, that's kind of what I want to do as a storyteller. I'd love to pop different genres um, and just tell good stories, whatever the, the framework would be. I would say some two other filmmakers that really kind of um, inspired me were John Carpenter and Martin Sersese. Um Carpenter... With the way he used his frame and his score, and um, just the kind of themes he tackled, um, and Scorsese, of course, you know he's the master in so many different ways. But one of the things that I personally most responded to was the way he used editing and music together with his, the way he combined his images with the mood and film school makers editing, and it just, it was just, it was just again one of those like lightning rod moments where you're like, oh my god, this is what it could be, this is what you can do with it, Um, you know, to to get to get that point across and be and be different, pump some energy into it.
0: Yeah, I know. One of the things I uh, I loved when I first started again to Scorsese myself, being a musician, is the use of music. And, I mean, even though he doesn't always use score, uh, just the way he uses music to emphasize the emotions and the storytelling in any in, in his movies. And I mean, I know my favorite one. Of my favorite Scorsese films is still Goodfellas, and the way he uses the uh, pop music in there is or is really one of the things that just completely impacts my the way i watch that movie and the the way that movie hits me as an as a uh, film watcher
1: no absolutely and i mean i think that's you know it's kind of old hat that's the thing about scorsese too is that so much of his stuff uh it it, i don't know if he gets as much credit um outside of the, the sort of film elite circles uh, for the stuff that we kind of take for granted now where like every filmmaker has like an eclectic pop soundtrack or uh, you know long tracking shots and all these things you know he really pioneered that technique and that we see so much of now Um, and and it's just very influential and and nobody does it better.
0: Uh... Oh absolutely I mean it's it's kind of funny it's like I think to to a certain extent, and no, I, I I would actually agree with you that I don't think he necessarily gets the credit he deserves. Because, I mean, you think about it, you think about the uh, soundtracks, you think about the song soundtracks that really have influenced, impacted people, fans over the years. It's like you have, basically, you have Saturday Night Fever, and then you have, like, The Bodyguard, and then Pulp Fiction basically just took it to another level, and it's like... Uh, here, Scorsese was doing all of this type of great stuff between that. So you know, Goodfellas is one of my absolute favorite yeah. soundtracks of all time, and it's like it's, it's oh, it's, it's such so watchable. Yeah, it's such an amazing uh, use of songs to really tell the story and to get into the characters' heads. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that I, I was impressed by with uh, Dark Exorcism was how much of a 180 it was from your previous films that I would seen. And it actually does not surprise <coughs> me in that respect that you mentioned Billy Wilder earlier because, like, you know, because I completely agree with you, it's, you. You can watch any of Billy Wilder's movies and you know they're his movies, even if they're completely different, like Double Indemnity. Some like It Hot, Sunset Boulevard, One, Two, Three, uh, just any number of films of his. Uh, what led you to yep. go into horror with Dark Exorcism after Round and Things I Don't Understand?
1: Um, it was definitely not planned. Uh, I had a few projects that I was developing that kind of we got stuck in, in turnaround around and uh, I come across an investor, um, this guy, he basically he had a certain amount of money and he wanted to make a horror film. Um, he didn't have a script, he didn't really have an idea. Um, and so it was this weird opportunity to, I had no interest at the time in doing a horror film, I didn't have anything against it, it just wasn't, again, it, I mean, it certainly wasn't in my wheelhouse. And I didn't have like a, a, oh my gosh, like I have this horror script in my closet that I didn't really need to do. Um, but it was this unique opportunity, one, as a filmmaker where, okay, very small amount of money, um, but basically you kind of have a blank canvas do, as long as it's this amount of money and it's a horror film and I give him what he wants, it's kind of like an old Roger Corman kind of deal where it's like, okay, as long as I do XYZ, you know, um, then it'll be, it'll, it'll work out. So I, I was kind of driven by that. Uh, and then I, you know, was stuck with a lot of uh, writer's blocking. oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Because, like, what am I going to do? I don't really have an idea. I don't really know what I want to do. Um... And, uh, I just sort of was like, okay, I, I went back and I, I think having been sent a couple of really bad horror scripts to direct, um, that I passed on, I think I'd kind of lost sort of my appreciation for the genre and kind of, you know, there's, there's just so much, just kind of, uh, it's the porn of the indie world where there's an audience that comes, so people just make trash of it, uh, constantly. And I forgot how effective. Genre it is, um, and I got to watch a lot of old classic films. I went back to John Carpenter. I watched, you know, of course, Freak and the Exorcist, um, but tons of different things, and read a bunch of old, like my old favorite, Stephen King, you know, short stories, and um, and I realized that horror is just a way to kind of you you can tell stories about all kinds of things and use the genre as a metaphor and kind of almost tell it more effectively. You know, you look at a film like The Babadook, for instance, um, and that's a, literally that filmmaker. She wanted to tell a story about postpartum depression for years and had a straight drama script, couldn't get the money for it. And she ended up telling that story far more effectively using horror and the supernatural, the same theme, same ideas, but you know what I mean? And that's something with this project, I think that's kind of what like, I was like, okay, I I, want to tell a story about this other thing and and make it about the characters and and the narrative. uh, But I want to see if I can use the horror, you know, the tropes or the genre to, to, to do that.
0: Yeah, I I would certainly you know, and I mean you 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 saw my review obviously you know I absolutely loved the film when I reviewed it last year, and uh, I I'm sort of like you for a while I got very tired I think or really kind of numb to the genre, and then when I started to watch some of the older movies, really start getting acquainted with some of the older movies, and you mentioned Roger Corman, another one who popped to mind that is more very much in the horror genre from the 40s is Val Luton, who produced Cat People, I Walked With a Zombie, and a bunch of other low budget uh, horror film, supernatural films for RKO. And thinking about In the Dark and basically how you're describing sort of the process of getting yourself to the point to make the film really reminds me of the way Luton produced uh, and developed the films that he made in the '40s.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, again, like it's one of those things where, as um, and and the other reason I took it too is, is and, and in that same respect, was as a filmmaker, the kinds of films I've done, um, I wanted to grow. Like like I was talking about Billy Wilder and doing different genres and doing this project, um, you know, uh, through all the hell of making a horror film with, with certain people. Uh, I was able to pick up skills, that had I never done it, um, I wouldn't have, because the idea of, again, playing with visuals, um, soundtrack and score for a film like this, or or a horror film, I, I had no idea how much uh, it lived and died, you know, on that. Like, I had played with music and and, and used score in the past, but nothing, you know, I didn't know this film worked until until we had it fully mixed. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a completely different animal that I was like, oh my gosh, you know. So as a filmmaker for me in the future... Whether I, I get to tackle this genre again or do something else, just having that, that kind of perspective in the back of my mind and, and having gone through it and you, you work with music and score two and Sonic stuff. Um, it's just just what that is and, and as a tool um, in a way that I, I never had before, so it was a really good learning experience as well.
0: Well, and you mentioned, you mentioned uh, the Exorcist, obviously, uh, earlier when you were talking about. Uh, the types of films he watched in developing uh, dark exorcism, and obviously that one that movie casts a long shadow over this type of film yeah. and the possession the possession genre, subgenre of horror. How how did you approach the film without completely just saying okay, I'm just gonna basically do exorcism like tactics. Uh, Throughout the films because yeah. I, I think to a certain extent the possession a lot of possession films you watch just sort of go into that whole okay, well, you know, we we're gonna do like found footage, but it's gonna be we're gonna do the exorcist, but it's gonna be like found footage. Or we're gonna do the exorcist, but it's right, right based on a true story, like in the exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. So uh, or wow.
1: it's a shark that's possessed, or something like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, how um, So how do you approach that without just sort of trying, you know, with how do you approach that uh, genre without really just uh, running the risk of, while running the risk of just sort of uh, reverting the formula?
1: Um. I think, you know, I think it, The Exorcist, if you're going to do an exorcism film, The Exorcist is the Mount Everest um, in terms of quality, uh, in terms of being, I guess, in, in many ways, the first. Um, and I think you have to, at some point, to also accept that, like, you're going to be in that shadow no matter what you do, no matter what way you tell the story. You know, as far as if, when you're dealing with a possession film, you're going to, in any review or in any, in any like, oh, The Exorcist, you know, there's no, there's no escaping it. Um, there was conscious efforts of like, you know, no priests, and no, uh, spinning heads and things like that. No, um, uh, but for me, um, even tackling this kind of story, it really came from when I was looking for an idea for a horror film. Um, I come across, um, they actually reran it in the Washington post recently, but there was an old in 2008, um, a psychology paper from, uh, from someone at Columbia university, this, this, uh, the psychologist PhD, uh, and it was published. And it was about possession of this woman in a medical case, and it was a paper published like you would read um, very dry, very matter of fact detailed, you know, about some rare disease or about, uh, you know, like just it was a medical paper, but it was talking about all this crazy stuff, and it was written so scientific, like so again, so dryly and so scientifically, but what it was talking about was like ridiculous, and I was really enamored by uh, that kind of, you know, uh, competition between this direct science and this kind of supernatural, mythological, you know, metaphysical kind of thing. And and for me, this kind of story was like, what if you, you know, in, in the real world, if this was a true thing and you had people who were dealing with medical issues or psychology issues, and this was true, this was a true case of possession, how would it go down and how would they react to it? And so that was kind of, I was drawn to that the thought, the science versus faith, which is, a lot again it's funny that it's so different than my work other work and at the same time it's, it's very similar you know what i mean like yeah. there's like a lot yeah. of similar themes uh and in some ways it's the weird inversion of the last film i did right <laughs> down to uh you know uh a young grace wholesome as the actress uh afflicted with something having philosophical conversations with a grad student in a room you know what i mean it, it's it's yeah. it's it, but it's but it's it, there's a, a, a different bent on it so um I think that that kind of is, is how I tried to avoid the, the exorcist trap and also make it kind of religionless. Mm-hmm. You know, you're delving in different ideas and mythologies that they talk about in the film and demonic stuff, but not saying, you know, Judeo Christian or you know, any particular thing.
0: Yeah. Um well one of the one of the things that struck me about the film when I watched it last year was uh the the wealth of amount of material for female for actor for women in the movie. And there are at least four really strong, really compelling roles for women in the movie. They're basically they're the central roles in the movie. Uh, is there is is that type of thing something that and in your previous films you'd also written strong material for women as well. Is that type of thing something that drew you to it? In addition to uh, what you just talked about, as far as the idea of science versus you know this uh, supernatural aspect, and is there are there is yeah there a, yeah is there a, someone or something in particular that inspires that type of writing from you?
1: Um, I mean, I I've always had that kind of bent. Um, I you know outside of a conscious effort i think then more people should do of, of trying to write strong female characters and including that more um it's just i mean I, it's so organic to me that i, I don't I, I don't know that i necessarily try i know a lot of talented female actresses um in a in a purely artistically selfish way it, it, it makes things easier almost because and I, that's one of the things i don't understand why they don't do more of that because you've seen you know Forget, well, we've seen a million exorcism movies, but we've seen a million of the similar kinds of stories told over and over and over and remade and rebooted, um, and just sort of replacing the male characters. You know, because like the film I made, you could very easily, outside of switching some pronouns, um, you could just very easily cast four males um, and not change any of the story. Uh, and again, outside of some pronouns and dialogue and maybe a few things, it would play just the same. But what makes it unique is you put the females in there and you kind of just, you switch it around and it gives it a completely different perspective and energy. And for me, I kind of, it's almost, it's very creatively framed because, you know, you're, you're, you are kind of even more repeating yourself as it was just two guys that went there to check on, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, so for me, again, it's, it's, I think it's very organic, but it's also something that I, I kind of uh, do, do push for and believe in. Um, uh, I just think I think we need we need more of it. It makes it gives another level, it makes it more interesting. Especially the dynamics of the film, where you know one of the themes is sort of science versus faith, and at the same time, the same way that like I, I when I realized that horror is sort of a way to kind of tell a story about something else and use the horror as a metaphor. The film is about family and about family demons, and, and the the past kind of coming back and causing those fractures until there's there's healing and forgiveness, and so. You take those demons of what the story's really about and what really the horrible stuff that went down, and kind of make them into literal demons, uh, and and hopefully kind of you know use that as the juice.
0: Yeah. Um, so what, what, I I do have I, I do have one more one question before I get to the next thing I wanted to talk about a bit. Um. Like I like I mentioned earlier, I watched the movie under the title "In the Dark," um, and I think I already <laughs> answered to the question. But my question for you is: uh, Why exactly? Why exactly did the uh, name end up getting changed? Um,
1: uh, I haven't had the converse. It was a, It was a, We had signed with a distributor, um, and they took the film and sort of, you know, a distributor. Their job is to take it and and do what they hope is best to sell it uh, and make it as marketable as they can. So they did a recut of the trailer, which I thought was all right. Uh, they redid the poster, and they came up with a new title that I was a <laughs> lot. it's a lot more on the nose of exactly uh, the film. It, that's but the only funny thing for me is the film is sort of was set up to kind of be a little bit ambiguous for the first third of what exactly what kind of yeah. supernatural film it was meant to be. And by calling it Dark Exorcism, uh, you kind of you kind of uh, you know what you're getting, which is which. But again, I under, You know, I having been in this business now for a while and having done things and seeing how things are. You know, I uh, I, I don't really. I I get it, and it's not. You know, uh, mm. it, maybe if it was, if it was uh, something a little bit more artistically close to my heart for the for the piece, I might be a little bit more. Uh, well, what, what, what are you doing? Uh, but I get, it, to me, it makes sense, and if, if they, they sell more copies or, or throw more people in doing it, then you know it's. I I I I always say you know it could have been it could have been so much worse. Uh, yeah. So I'm not too. Uh, I'm not too. You know, I have no issue with that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so the the film is the film is the same film, same version of the film that I saw one year ago, right? Like nothing got cut or edited. Or yeah, anything they haven't. Like that.
1: There was no. Yeah. Yeah, outside of outside of changing a few titles, um, you know, it's it's there's no they didn't. I mean, that's the thing. They didn't recut the film. They didn't. You know, they they really. They I'll say this about the distributor. They really. Um, they were very happy to have it, and they've been they've been pretty great about a lot of stuff. Um, in in, my, in compared to even past experiences that I've had with um, uh, distributors, um, but they uh, yeah no, it's the exact same film. Um, and then yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's, it, when you and this is, this is for any filmmakers who are watching this, you know, it's, it's always art versus commerce. Even doing this film was, was art versus commerce, which was like, you know, I want to make my art. And, uh, can I, can I retain my, you know, my sense of storyteller and, and grow as a storyteller? but still give, you know, what what is needed in terms of anyone can give you even a small amount of money that, that they have, you know, the ability to recoup it and what the market is. So, um, yeah i i don't uh they, they've been they've been great but yeah it's exactly the exact same cut of the film you saw
0: well so long as that's the case because i did love that uh version of the film like but what I was going to try what was gang at was so long as the cut of the film that i loved is the same cut that's being released that's ultimately all that matters um and that's yeah, that's, yeah I mean, perfect. it doesn't really matter what the title is, so long as the vision that's presented is retained. Uh, that's really all I care about, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, like you said, I mean, if the title change helps uh get get people to the film and watching the film more, that's honestly i could I can live with that because the fact of the matter is it's like one of the things I love about uh, watching films like the films you send me, the film other, the films other people send me, is the fact that I feel like I'm discovering something that I wouldn't have gotten a chance to see otherwise. And it's always exciting to me to sort of follow, try follow some of these films as they go through different film festivals and releases and what have you. And uh, just see that these films are getting out there and hoping that uh, filmmakers like yourself get, uh, get these type of deals where it's like, my film's going to get out there and my film's going to be available for people yeah. to watch in a way that maybe it may not have been otherwise. So, I mean, that's, that's, one of the, that's, that's always exciting for me see, because I feel like I'm kind of discovering these films before other people have a chance to, and uh, it's, it's always uh, fun to see them sort of take on the life of their own when, they, when more and more people get uh, their eyeballs uh, watching it, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um... So, what exactly, uh, since, since I reviewed the movie a year ago, uh, I know it's uh, been to a lot of film festivals. It's uh, won several awards, though, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, we've gotten. you know, uh, this film has played a bunch of festivals. Um, it's opened me up to a, a, a genre festival world that I, I hadn't been really privy to. I'd, I'd done a bunch of festivals in my other films. Um, which was interesting and meeting those kinds and seeing those kinds of films too for the few. I, I didn't get to go to as many as I usually do. Um, but also some of the actors, the four females, um, they picked up a lot of honors, uh, Grace and Fiona and Lynn, uh, for their work, which is great because, I mean, you know, for, for the amount of money we had making this film, it was like a 12-day shoot. Uh, the, the real special effect is not like some VFX and makeup. Those, those, those are fine. Uh, it's it's these women who carry this movie um, and, uh i was very fortunate to to have them so yeah we've, we've been we've, we've gone to a bunch of festivals um i mean it's, it's been interesting because again you know um i was trying to make a horror film that wasn't your typical horror film and and also never having made one before not knowing oh my god does this work is this scary or is this a spit this the genre uh and not knowing how it was going to be received in general but especially um for that particular audience. And it's been, it's been nice. It seems like it, uh, people seem to really dig it um, across the board uh, for what it is. And, and also the people who are into that kind of genre stuff um, have accepted it uh, and are not like, what do you do? You know, like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, so that's been kind of great too. Uh, yeah. You know, like that, that almost is like, you know, you, you hope, you hope it, and if nothing else, your film works with the film. And it's not a, a complete dumpster file um, always, but uh, to know that, and, you know your first stab at at at, a, at something that you had no previous experience with um was was also so well received by that people who love that kind of stuff was kind of nice
0: well i mean it's certainly it it's certainly gratifying to hear that and i'm glad to and and I am glad to hear that it's had the success it has it's, it's always uh it's like i said it's always fun to hear when it's always fun to follow. Uh, filmmakers like yourself and uh, as the movie sort of goes through its uh, life on the film festival circuit or getting ready to get released and what have you and it's, uh, it's always fun to see that type of success. Uh, so where are people going to be able to find the movie on the 13th?
1: Yeah, uh, this Tuesday, September 13th whenever you're listening to it. Uh, it's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's going to be on Voodoo um, it's going to be on various uh, video-on-demand platforms, so depending on which cable company you have, um, you just look for it, uh, Dark Exorcism. Uh, it'll be on Xbox. Um, it's going to be on DVD. And on the DVD, there's a special um, behind-the-scenes feature with a ton of interview footage um, from our festival circuit. So if you're interested uh, in hearing all the actors and myself and other people talking about the film on the festival circuit uh, with some clips and some behind-the-scenes stuff, that's on the DVD as a special feature, so yeah, you'll be able to, I mean, and iTunes, I also believe, so pretty much it, it, it's, it's gonna be widely available, so whatever mechanism uh, the kids are using today that, to watch their, uh, their media content, you should, be, you should be able to pull it up and find it and stream it or rent it or download it.
0: Excellent. Uh, what else do you have, uh, what do you have going on after this uh, as a filmmaker?
1: Um, I'm gonna go back. Uh I'm 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 at a place where uh I really I have a couple of I have some scripts some of the project I was working on before this film came uh about. I'm gonna go back to. I've been doing a lot of writing, uh and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try a couple of different things. I um it's again, it's been really interesting, uh this film being my third film and being so different. I'm kind of in a it it, it feels almost like you kind of go full circle. And I'm really jazzed about now having had a little break, um, to go back out and, and do something. And, uh, and then you're also kind of torn of like, you go back and do the kind of stuff you were doing before. Do you, you know, I would love, an, I would genuinely love, um, cause of some of the circumstances in making this film were beyond my control. I would love another shot at this genre, uh, on my own terms completely. Um, or do I do something completely different, you know, and, uh, you know, just, swing the bat and see where it lands. So uh, I have a couple of different things um, that I'm working on, but I, I don't know exactly which one is going to um, hatch first or which direction I'm going to go in. So.
0: Okay, well, which, you know, whichever direction you go in, I'm definitely curious to see where you go from here. Thank you very You'll much. You'll definitely
1: get to see it. I'll tell oh, you that yeah.
0: myself. Uh, <coughs> so this is his uh, third film after uh, around and Things I Don't Understand, the movie is Dark Exorcism, is going to be on demand and on DVD on Tuesday, September 13th. And it's been a pleasure to uh, talk to him about this as uh, the release comes up. This is uh, writer-director David Spaltrow. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, man. I really look great. I'd like to thank uh, Rare director David Spoucher once again. It was really great to talk to him and put a voice to emails and to a uh, face that I've seen on social media over the years. I I even, even though it was primarily because of Dark Exorcism, I do highly recommend his other films as well uh, around and things I don't understand. And especially if you're like me and like to watch uh, horror movies during October and during the Halloween uh, time, I would certainly recommend adding Dark Exorcism to your playlist. It's a really effective horror film. It's a really effective character-driven horror film, which is something that uh, is rarefied air now for uh, horror cin- cinema, but nonetheless is uh Something you see every once in a while, and I feel like Dark Exorcism is one of the better examples of that in the past few years. So thank you very much, David, for uh, agreeing to the interview, and I hope to have more uh, filmmaker interviews uh, for you guys in the uh, future. For now, this is Brian Scuttle, and thank you very much for listening to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.